Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app today to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Ah. The comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car selling command center. Thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. Welcome to episode 597 with my guest, Mary Mack. We recorded this episode live in front of an audience at Sisyphus Brewing in uh, Minneapolis. Many thanks to them. I forgot to thank them uh, during the recording of the, of the podcast. Uh, my name is Paul Gilmartin. This is the Mental Illness Happy Hour, a place for honesty about all the bullshit rattling around in our heads. I am not a therapist. It's not a doctor's office. More like a waiting room that doesn't suck. The website for this show is metalpod.com. Metalpod, also the social media handles you can follow us at. I don't know why I say that every fucking week. <laughs> the number of people that follow me is not really going up. But uh, there you have it. Uh, one thing I would like uh, for you to do, and I hate to—everybody does this, but if you could uh, subscribe to this podcast, click that little button. It does uh, help our download numbers, and that helps me, uh, you know, pay the bills. So there you have it. Let—Survey uh, Monkey was down today, and uh, what— what a great example of just uh, having to cope, having to cope. Um, I always stress that some portion of the podcast uh, is not up to snuff. Uh, maybe I didn't put enough care into selecting the surveys and ordering them and, you know, cutting out, you know, extraneous parts here and extraneous parts there. Um, and I went to SurveyMonkey today to go through the surveys to print them out for today's show. And they've got some new login protocol, and I'm putting my password in, and it's not working. And then they have the thing that says, click here to get an email sent to you so you can reset your password. Clicked it maybe... 25 times. Just kept checking my email. After about an hour and a half, I sent an angry uh, tweet to uh, SurveyMonkey and uh, nothing, nothing so far. So these are the surveys that I had laying around. So this is my way of saying um, this is the best that I have. Please still love me. Oh, my God. I might as well still be in kindergarten. The fear I have of making mistakes and being rejected is so... I've been going to therapy for 
how long, going to support groups for how long, I think that's something I'm just going to, I'm going to die with. I'm going to die with, with the desire to have everybody like me. This is from the Shame and Secret survey filled out by a woman who calls herself a day in dislife. It must be from Chicago, this outside. Uh, she struggles with a lot of issues, uh, and this is a snapshot from her life. She writes, I wanted to be a trapeze artist when I was a dreamy young kid. I feel stuck now on this hard terrain we know as ground. I'm constantly running through the routine of getting my kids fed three times a day, plus many snacks, laundry, dishes, shuffling appointments, and after-school lessons like piano and soccer. I desperately want to take an aerial skills class, or is it aerial silks? I guess it's aerial silks. I thought she had maybe misspelled uh, skills. An aerial silks class where I learned to swing from sashes attached to a high stadium type ceiling. The classes are late at night. Uh, not really, 7.15 to 8.45 p.m., twice a week, and would require me to ask my husband to pick up some of the load at home. This would be so good for me because it would get me to change my routine, not drink wine those nights, and ask for help. Why can't I decide to do this? I feel like I don't have the voice to speak up for me. I'm currently beginning an intense EMDR therapy with a trusted counselor that I've reunited with. We tapped into the place where we need to focus just yesterday during a regular talk therapy session. Scared, but ready for next week. Have so much hope for a better, more peaceful future. I love it. I love it. And it is so weird how we can know that something is good for us. And we just kind of are frozen. And I think that's one of the things that I that I really like about therapy support groups just having a a support network sometimes just uttering two sentences about what you're going through it'd be enough to to nudge that little little boulder forward this is from the struggle on a sentence survey uh, filled out by a guy who calls himself turn it off and about his anxiety he writes say something don't say something move don't move stop doing that do something what are you doing that is so good. That is so good. I love the what are you doing? Oh, I think we all know somebody like that that is just a fucking control freak. It's just telling somebody, do this, don't do that, do that. And then what are you doing? Oh, my God. Uh, compulsive behaviors. Maybe some more scrolling on social media will help. Oh. Thank you for that. This is from the Struggle in a Sentence survey filled out by a guy who calls himself Paradise and Plague. Uh, horrible name for a restaurant. About his ADD, he writes, everyone was given the rules to life and you just showed up late that day. Uh, about having borderline personality disorder, he writes, you're a man with a, quote, women's personality disorder, WTF. Uh, snapshot from his life. Oh, we had a slight disagreement. Well, that means you're going to leave me, and that means I might as well just leave first or just off myself. Thank you for that. This is uh, also a struggle in a sentence filled out by a gender-fluid uh, person who calls themselves P- PMDD. 
am. I, oh, I, PMD, damn. Uh, and about their major depression, they write, like a baby hijacked the bus and is willing to drive us all off a cliff to get away from the pain. Uh, about compulsive eating, like a friend who is almost always too available. About uh, their dermatillomania, I'm afraid to get a pedicure because I've peeled all of my toenails to the nail bed so many times before. And uh, about their PMDD, it's like for one week of every month, I feel like a depressed werewolf. It would be funny to see a depressed werewolf just slunken shoulders, (laughs) moping. Doesn't Doesn't even have the energy or the drive to eat anybody. Uh, snapshot from their life. PMDD is so much more debilitating than read on the internet. I feel like a Westworld character out of commission. I can't produce, produce enough serotonin to act like, quote, myself. I, I hear horror stories about PMDD. And, oh, to know that that is coming every month has got to be uh, just depressing in itself. Uh, also from Struggle in a Sentence, filled out by CP, CPTSD's Nuts. Sometimes your guys' names are hard to read. I could, you know, say, well, maybe I'm fucking old and I need new uh, glasses, but I'm going to put it on you. Uh, about her codependency, it's like saying yes to being best friends with a black hole and feeling foolish about it, but but unable to stop. Yeah. I sometimes find myself drawn to people who are, um, who surprise me that I want to be friends with them. I don't, I, does that ever happen to you where you're like, why am I, Seeking out a friendship with this person. They're kind of an asshole. I don't like their politics. They're kind of selfish. But they're fun. Uh, This is an awful moment uh, that I believe we've read. I know we've read it before on the podcast, but I think it's been years. And I uh, sometimes I'll put, if there's an awful moment that really I like, I'll uh, put it in a pile to, to be read again at some point. Uh, And this is filled out by a guy who calls himself Juice. And he writes, In the mid-90s, my grandpa was on life support for having a stroke. He had been in a coma for three months, and the doctors notified the family that that a decision should be made. My family decided to pull the plug and let nature take, take its course. The family gathered in the room where my grandpa was staying, and the doctor yells to my grandpa, saying, Vic, if you do not wake up, we will pull the plug and you will likely die. In an instant, my grandpa pops up and yells, well, that's cruel. He was up walking around the next day and went on to live another five years. To this day, it makes me smile. Even in death, he had a sense of humor. Oh, love it. Now a word from our sponsor, BetterHelp. Uh, We're talking about burnout this month of uh, June and on better help and uh, burnout takes a lot of different forms uh, I've, I've talked before about burnout in the workspace 
But you know another burnout that I think can fly below the radar is getting burnt out on friendships with people. There are, you know, I think some friendships just have expiration dates and um, it's hard to realize sometimes when it's it's time to let a relationship go. And uh, I don't know, therapy has helped me <laughs> discover uh, the truth in a lot of my relationships and also how I feel about uh, about myself and how I treat myself and talk to myself. But anyway, I'm going down a rabbit hole. Uh, if you have never tried BetterHelp online therapy, give it a shot. I've been doing it for years. Uh, I worked through some great stuff with my therapist, Heidi, this last week, stuff around productivity and, and self-care. Um, and I've been really productive lately, so uh, I like uh, I like what we're doing. Uh, BetterHelp is customized online therapy that offers video, phone, and even live chat sessions with your therapist so you don't have to see anyone on camera if you don't want to. It's much more affordable than in-person therapy, and you can be matched with a therapist in under 48 hours. And you guys, the listeners, get 10% off your first month at BetterHelp dot com slash mental that's better h-e-l-p dot com slash mental make sure you include the slash mental so they know you came from the podcast this episode is sponsored by when breath becomes air when breath becomes air by paul kalanathy is the exquisitely observed memoir of an idealistic young neurosurgeon attempting to answer the question what makes a life worth living as he deals with his own terminal cancer diagnosis. It's a stunning reminder to live while we are alive, a must-read for anyone in medicine from a doctor-turned-patient. For healthcare workers, expand your view on patient care and the fragile beauty of our mortal lives through Kalanithi's unforgettable words. Some of the questions Kalanithi wrestles with in this book include what makes life worth living in the face of death? What do you do when the future flattens out into a perpetual present? When the future is no longer a ladder towards your goals in life? What does it mean to have a child, to nurture a new life as another fades away? When Breath Becomes Air is a number one New York Times bestseller, Pulitzer Prize finalist, and named one of the best books of the year by the New York Times Book Review, People, NPR, The Washington Post, Slate, and more. When Breath Becomes Air is available wherever books are sold. Learn more at prh.com slash breath. And then finally, this is an awful moment filled out by a woman who calls herself T.D. Wu. And she writes, years ago, I went with my boyfriend at the time to see the documentary about Mr. Rogers. I absolutely love Fred Rogers and how tirelessly he advocated for self-love and simple sincerity. Anyways, we're in the movie theater and there's a scene at the end where you hear his voice asking the audience to imagine one person in our lives, past or present, who loved us for exactly who we are. The one person who made you feel like being yourself was a great thing. I had been happily enjoying the entire film up until that moment because when I thought about it, not a single person came to mind. I could not think of one adult, child, friend, boyfriend, or anyone who made me not only feel safe enough to be myself, but that being myself was a good thing. I instantly burst into tears, which led to a mild anxiety slash panic attack by the time me and my boyfriend got back to the car. 
In between bursts of sobbing and trying to gasp for air, I expressed to him why I was crying. It was that exact moment that I realized I needed help. So within a year, I was in therapy and worked through my childhood trauma along with many other issues that I had literally kept on the back burner my entire life. I guess I just think it's funny how the voice of a man who is now dead lit the spark of knowing in my heart that I wasn't okay and hadn't been for most of my life. These days, I am doing much better. Your fear of death is your love of life in reverse. I'm a kinky person. I didn't want to be... I'm I'm ashamed. A sexual being. Deeply ashamed. You are... I want to live fucking depressed. But how? I can't do this anymore. I will be uncomfortable, so you will be comfortable. Is life just a series of perpetual losses? You're not depressed. We're black. There is no real chance for intimacy. We don't do that. Without risking being hurt. Push it all down. You can't go around it. Ireland, like we don't do mental health talk. Through is the only path. No one is ever alone. There's somebody else out there. Don't forget experiencing the same thing as you. But the places you feel most broken now. You just gotta look for them. Will one day be your greatest strength. And when you find them, it's a great feeling. And I'm suddenly feeling horrible about <laughs> making that joke, but that's how far I will go to get a laugh because I am empty inside. Uh, you're in the right place. Hello, hello, my crazy people. Uh, is Amy here? I'm here. Amy, yeah. thank you for coming. Come on up. And uh, Amy has been a listener for a long time to the podcast. And uh, she emailed me a list of, was it loves or fears? Both. Both loves and fears. And I thought, why don't you come up and open, uh, open the show, sharing some of your loves and, and fears. First of all, hello. Hello. Yeah, I know, but it's nice to see you. Yeah. Um, do, do we need any preface for your fears and loves? Well, the preface is that the sticking point was that I was a triplet. Right. And my Put the, uh, use the, oh, yeah. <laughs> I haven't been in front of a group of people for a long time. Okay. Last time was junior year of high school when I did my oral report on the homoerotic undertones of Moby Dick. <laughs> you, and you're not kidding? I had my first panic attack. Oh my God. No, really. You really did that? Yeah. 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 That explains so much. One word came out, and then I just was out of the, out of the room. Yeah. I was very excited. You left, or they took you out of the room? I... I crawled out. You crawled out. Yeah. <laughs> I had a lot to say. Yeah. Um, anyway, so, so yeah. So was Captain Ahab a top or a bottom? He was a bottom. He was a bottom. Yeah, Stubb Stub so. was the top. I thought Stubb. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Yeah. Hit us. Hit us with your, your fears <laughs> and loves. And, but, but as far as my, tri- my triplets are not here. They're yes. in Duluth with their respective offspring. Okay. Um, but I think that might have been one of the reasons why you asked me to come up because that's a good, you know, shtick. Hey, there's three yeah. of me. <laughs> well, I just thought your your list was great, and just the uh, the the times that uh, we've exchanged emails over the past couple of years, you're somebody that goes that goes deep and talks yeah. about deep stuff, and you've experienced a lot of yeah. intense things. Yeah. And uh, for me, that you know, that always makes a, an interesting conversation whether it's a list of fears and loves or a guest or just somebody chatting yep still standing yeah <laughs> okay so i'm old school this is gonna be just like the podcast guys <laughs> I'm, 
It's with love, Paul. No, I know. I know. People <laughs> tell me they enjoy the, the sound of paper being crunched. I hope yeah, so. No, it's nice. They don't get a choice. <laughs> All right. Are you going to be saying loves? Uh, if or, I think of one, okay. I'll chime in. All right. So the, my first love is the feeling of water dripping out of my ear in the shower and the weird shiver that follows. Oh, that's a good one. And so much better than blood. Dripping out of your I ear. Was, yeah, you, you got to check. And, and seeing the assailant run away. <laughs> Clean the wax out of your ears. You know, yes. just important. Yeah. Uh, second is. Is that uh, is that by the way is that a moment in a relationship where you know things are solid between you and your partner when they see what you pull out of your ear? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Just just let me yes. have this hot water in my ear for at least thirty seconds. Come yes. on, come on. Yeah, uh, Christina, my girlfriend, who is uh, here, the love of my life. Oh. Where are you, Christina? She's so shy. Somewhere yonder. We were on a vacation uh, a couple of years ago, and for some reason we both got uh, plugged up ears, and so we had to go to the drugstore and get something. Saline? And, and see each other. It, it honestly might have been less gross to poop in front of each other. <laughs> it was a horror show. Yeah. Oh, bonding, yeah. really? Yes, bonding. But go ahead. Sorry about that. Um, how my cat sm uh, fur smells in the sun after she's been out in the sun. It's a great smell. She's an outdoor cat. Uh, third is to do my sisters. When my sisters and I complete each other's sentences and unprompted speak as one. It does happen. Um, All three of you at once. Yeah, yeah. It just That's sweet. Just exchange, you know. Someone starts off a sentence, you complete it. My cousin Jenna is here. Mm -hmm. um, she could attest to that. Yeah. And it's such it, a fine line between. Would you fucking let me talk? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> triplet dynamics. I've I've looked for the research. It doesn't exist. Um, four is food with many textures. Oh, that's a good one. Like, like a, something that's chewy and crunchy. Like a BLT. Yeah. Yeah. That is a good one. Crispy lettuce, tomato, yeah. bacon. Yeah. Yeah. I always thought if I were to open a restaurant, I would uh, call it uh, sweet, salt, crunchy, chewy. Exactly. If I drove past that sign, I would be like, oh, that sounds yeah. good. I got to go there. My mm. nightmare is like mashed potatoes. Who's going to want to eat mashed, mashed potatoes? Yeah. Or, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, all you guys. <laughs> but, like, that is the most that's boring the most thing. No, that's the most offensive thing that's been said on the podcast. So far. So far. In 10 years. So far. <laughs> uh, smell of rotting leaves. The more slugs, the yes. better. Yes. Love the smell of rotting leaves. And it's not a pleasant smell, but it's an emotional smell. It gets better when you roll in it. Yeah. Do you do that? Yeah. 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 Even as an adult? Sure. Yeah, it's been... Yeah. It's been a couple yeah. of years or so, but yeah. I always associate that smell of decomposing leaves with the sadness of having to go back to school and the days getting shorter and being unpopular. <laughs> but they could just lie in the bed of leaves and just decompose. It's yeah. Just a nice and then you always finality. hear a story about a kid that was playing in leaves in a car, you know, goes oh plowing God. through it, and everybody laughs. <laughs> and you think, fuck that kid, I didn't know who he was. Right? Is that just me? Okay. Did they ever find the body? No, uh, just scooped again, up. Again, who cares? It's yeah. the fall. Uh, we'll look come winter. We were frozen like a little popsicle. Yeah. <laughs> uh, finding a pair of jeans that comes in many colors and fits perfectly. That's a great one. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, 
how I smell. Oh, that's an interesting one. I, I'm very oriented to scent, and I yeah. even stress sweat. Like yeah. right now, yeah, yeah, I love it. Yeah, it's me. Yeah, it's you. That's that's some self acceptance right there. It is actually. Yeah. You know, I use clinical strength deodorant, but that's okay. You got to go uh, something that's not over the counter. No, no, no. It's bad. Yeah. yeah. Really. Yeah. I have very active glands. I, when I was a, a teenager, we could not find a deodorant that was strong enough. I would have pit stains literally from my elbow to my, to my waist. Ooh. It was so awful. But at least I had pimples, so that distracted <laughs> from it. And wore glasses and was four foot ten. So. Did it get better? Hello, hello ladies. Yeah. <laughs> like every single armpit just coated in thick yes. teeth. Yeah, but so does your deodorant work though? It does, yeah. It does. Until yeah. a point. Yes. Yeah. And today's episode is sponsored by <laughs> Big Nasty Pits. <laughs> uh, sun falling through stained glass. That's a good one. Yeah. I, I like made some one. stained glasses last year just to recreate it. Um when my sisters and I share dreams and we check in with each other the next day to make sure we're both, we're all okay. And sometimes you'll have the same dream? Yeah. Really? Mm-hmm. Yeah, or someone's in trouble and yeah. we know it through a dream. Right. Um, so we check in the next day and it's just like, hey, are you okay? I had this dream. Yeah. I don't know how to explain it. Because you hear oftentimes somebody will say, you know, the night before some something terrible happened, I had a, I had a premonition, I had a dream. Yeah. yeah. But then also you think, how many times have you had some fucking crazy dream and nothing happened the next day? Oh, dolphins didn't wind up driving the next day. <laughs> Although I did, I did feel my sister's uh, labor pains. Which really? Was, yeah. Yeah, I knew the exact like moment. She went into labor. Yeah, into labor. labor. I said, oh. Like, wow. I've never had kids, don't want kids. But like, I'm just like, holy crap, it hurts so bad. Wow. Yeah. It's pretty crazy. Um, and last one, cheap wine uh, and cherry Seven Up. That does not sound oh, good. But if you want to get really, if you want to get really trashy, you can throw a Splenda in there. Oh my Hell god, yeah, guys! Don't knock it till you've tried it. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> She's not. Thank you, Jenna. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, is that it? Is that everything that's, you got? That's my loves. Amy, that was awesome. How about a hand for, for Amy? Thank you so much. Thanks for being such a, a longtime listener and supporter of this show. I appreciate it. Uh, I also want to uh, acknowledge uh, TR. Where are you, TR? He has been a longtime uh, supporter of the show and drove from North Dakota, South, South, Dakota. South Dakota, to get here tonight. And Debbie, uh, give him a round of applause. And he's starting to do stand-up, so, uh, you know, while he's got a soul left, <laughs> acknowledge him. Uh, and Debbie Seeger. Debbie, where are you? Debbie back there has been a longtime supporter of the, of the show. And, uh, and she is a, a friend of our, uh, our guest. So what a, what a good segue to bring her up. Uh, our... Uh, she is a really funny stand-up comedian, and she'll be selling her uh, CDs uh, after the show as well. But um, you may recognize her voice. She's starting the third season of Solar Opposites, which is a 
uh, animated show uh, by the uh, producers of Rick and Morty. Please welcome to the stage, Mary Mack. How are you? Hey. Yeah. Show considering there's nothing wrong with me whatsoever. <laughs> I was shocked you'd even choose me, so thank you. And can I comment? And I know it's your show. Sure. Um, but I, similarly to Amy, and that was beautiful. Mm-hmm. I sometimes I'll have dreams about my sister where nothing bad happens to her. And then I call her and I'm like, are you sure nothing bad happened? (laughs) Shit. And you wanted something bad to happen to your sister? I'm not, do I have to start now about that? I thought we were gonna talk about the weather for a couple hours at least. Well, uh, from, from Mary's uh, dialect, you can tell she was not raised that far from here. Northern Wisconsin, uh, right? But your yeah. parents are Minnesotans. Yeah, my same, same as Amy. My folks were from Duluth, and mm-hmm. so, so they just scooted mm-hmm. over in the river and mm-hmm. down Wisconsin 35. So. You, want, you want to hear my impression of uh, a Minnesotan being carjacked? Oh, I'm sorry I didn't fill her up. Do you take Venmo? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but then if they don't have Venmo, then you say, what about PayPal? I can do PayPal. Do you want want me to give you directions? (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, where where in uh, Wisconsin were you raised? You said, I was watching your stand-up, a town of 500 people. Yes, but we didn't live in town, so um, we were in the you woods. You didn't live in the big city of the hustle yeah. and bustle of the 500? Yeah, we didn't. It, we lived uh, out in the woods, and um, my, we, my brother almost got ran over by a moose when he was a kid. We used to have moose up there till the people came, and... and, 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 and um, that was between um, Danbury, Webb Lake, Webster, which is now like a vacation capital. Yeah. All these people know where that is. Every, do they? Every single one. See, yeah. some folks do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And so what, what was uh, kind of the emotional vibe in your house growing up? How many, how many brothers and sisters? There, uh, there was six kids and um, some... Uh, some they tried to live in the four oldest went partially to school in Minnesota here they tried living in Moundsview for a while and they just couldn't handle mm-hmm. the tar you know <laughs> too much tar um, highways were going in and then my brother and I we grew up we built our own house um, and we just grew up like that in the woods and were you homeschooled? No, we weren't. We weren't homeschooled. We just had a little class. Thir- well, I had a big class, forty-five people, but it's forty people because we had four towns to make a school, mm-hmm. and so it was little at the time. And now that seems like it's growing there. So. Did you grow your own food, or was it? We did grow a lot of our own food. Yeah. We did, um, and then if we didn't, we'd get it from a farmer, and we'd blanch the corn and shave the corn and freeze it for the winter, and yeah. the deer, dead deer, would be hanging down from the big garage. And 
we'd have to gut them out in there. And, do you know how um, to gut a deer? I won't do it. I won't. I'll eat it, but I won't do yeah. it. But but yeah, so it was a very rustic way of growing up. And um, and did you like it, or did you just not know any it. better? I, I didn't yeah. know any better, but I, I thought it was the greatest life. I could go canoe across one lake, get out, walk across the road, canoe across another lake, walk across the road. You know, you get it, and mm. and that was. There's several more lakes, but I cut yes. the story short. Yes. Out of respect for you. Uh, That's called por- portaging, <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. So it it was. It used to be no. You know, the dogs. We never had to have them on a on a leash or nothing. And I would run cross country as a kid. And my dogs would just run with me. And then the, sometimes the city people would be vacationing, and I'd say hi, and they never say hi back. And I'm and, and, and that's why people voted for Trump. And not, I, I didn't, no offense if you did, or I just, I just, I understand the feeling of, mm-hmm. like, we used to have a bank, and then they closed our bank because they don't care about us. Yeah. And this is somehow the, you know, okay, maybe you are a Republican genius, but this is mm-hmm. a genius. Uh, I'm sorry, I got on to politics. Vote for me. That's okay. Vote for me. <laughs> I was, uh, I had terrible insomnia last night, and I was thinking, why, why can't I fall asleep? And I was thinking, well, well, think about the things that you think about all day long. You think about climate change. Uh, you think about civil war. And and the, I think being a liberal, the idea of civil war is much more terrifying than if I were conservative. Because the conservatives have all the guns. They've been in the military. They know how to hunt and live as a survivalist. As a liberal, I just, I know it's pronounced espresso. <laughs> that's it. That's all I have wow. on them. And I don't think that's going to help me when I'm being tortured. I will be witty when I'm being tortured. Yeah. So after you kill me, you're going to go finish eighth grade? And then they drill me right in the skull. Yeah. They I, get you. Yes. But I'm sorry. I uh, no. I digress. I am. I have a whole new level of fear now because I didn't know. I didn't know torture was involved in the Civil War. I just thought they killed you and was over with. Oh, but no. now I got this whole torture layer to worry about. So um, yeah. thank you so for you that. So you can thank me for that. Yes. So uh, you're you're growing up in the the woods. Yep. Um, yep. Did you, what was your relationship like with, with your mom and dad? Was there, did you guys ever talk about emotions or feelings? Uh, no, of course not. <laughs> um, I, ne- no, never, never. Yes. And did, there- you, did you want to or was it not even on your radar that feelings or emotions were something to, to talk about? Uh, uh, certain things you could be sad. Like if um, if the dog ran away, it was okay to be sad and worried. Right. But if you hurt yourself, there's no use in crying about it. Oh. So, but it was not. There was not a lot of um. What is it called? Is it called emotional intelligence or what's mm-hmm. that called? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. So, so that wasn't. But um, and it. I'll tell you this. I, I was listening to some of your podcasts, and and you're like all these tools that you can get by going to therapy and stuff. And I think it's made my life so much more miserable going to therapy, <laughs> and knowing and knowing about the tools because I'm like they just need the 
tools. And and but it, but instead, I have my sister texting me once a year saying, "If I see you, I'll punch you in the face." And she's sixty years old. And and it's like. It, this, I'm like I'm more, now it's harder to have the tools like I just wish I could just blow up at these people and say whatever I wanted to like they say mm-hmm. like they can do but well, because I've developed I've gotten to see folks then right. I can't do that because I know I have the tools right and I'm even more repressed than I was before <laughs> <laughs> and, and it's kind. It's kind of like you're in a war, and the first step is they give you a a, a fake knife. And yeah, it's yeah. like, oh, so I got it. This is the only thing I got to use. Yeah, there's yeah. no the division is greater. The division is greater because of it. And and right. even the ones in my family that I thought, well, maybe they'll get it. They just don't get it. But 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 isn't one of the tools to separate yourself from people that don't want to? have an overlapping reality or find a common ground or speak, you know, or to disagree with respect and yeah. diplomacy. Guess what? What? I have given myself permission to disagree without respect. I, I, I totally disagree with most of my family without respect. Yeah. And it feels good, Paul. Um, what was the question? Like, 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 <laughs> I forgot. Like, like, give me an example of something that you said that you know a therapist would go, well, Mary, that wasn't the ideal choice. I've been following the rules so long. Like, I, I've been really following the rules. You give me a rule, I'm going to follow it. Like, I, I don't erupt I, 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 but this is how this is also how alcoholism works like if you say you don't have a problem you must have a problem like the way the fact that I'm saying I think I'm doing it right must be, mean that mm-hmm. I'm doing everything wrong and I'm the problem this is I feel it's a trap how many people think Mary's overthinking this <laughs> I also <laughs> And I was so nervous to come here once I knew I wasn't opening for you. I thought, oh, I just warmed the crowd up. And then, and then, and then. then, You were hoodwinked. Yeah, I was, I was hoodwinked. And then I listened to your podcast and I was like, oh no, oh no. This isn't going to be good. And then I didn't sleep last night because I was so nervous. And and I have to take, I don't, I go to therapy, but I don't, I haven't been to therapy. I get too nervous to go to therapy. Like I get, I'm so nervous to go I'm not prepared I'm not anxious enough I don't I don't I have to write down the pro I have to brainstorm more problems before I go to therapy so that I'm prepared and then I know therapists listen I've been holding on to this for a long time I'm so sorry Um, but don't forget where we work because we gotta go back to it so um um so okay I know therapists listen to this show and before I forget to say it uh I feel nervous saying hello to the therapist because I don't know how much time I ask her about her life. Mm. Like, I, I, I feel rude if I just jump into my problems even though it's so expensive. Yeah. So, what the therapists who are listening need to do, they need to give us permission, Midwesterners and especially Minnesotans and Wisconsinites, to say, thank you, I have, I'm starting a movement. <laughs> See, the therapists need to tell us the rules and say, listen, don't ask me about me we're here for you, but I feel so rude at $250 an hour. That to, is expensive. To, to not, well, that's what I'm assuming they build the insurance. I right. go, uh, 
I shoot for a sliding scale if I can. Yeah. I like a clinic spelt with a K. So, the <laughs> so so um, I need them to give me permission to not ask them how they are. Because if I don't, well, what it, if you bring that up? I never. I know it's up to them. They should. I never You're, thought they should. about doing that because I feel well, mean right, bringing it up. Isn't that part of the growth in therapy? Is speaking the uncomfortable. Yeah. Starting to work that muscle. I mean, I. This is the most help I've had from a therapist, and you're not even a therapist. And I thank you for that because I could just tell them. I could just say, I'm nervous to talk to you. You know what? I I learned a lot of that was in stand up comedy. And I'm sure you know when you're having a really bad show, sometimes the only way out of it is to address the fact that you are having a really bad show. It seems like the most frightening thing in the world Mm -hmm. to say it, but it's like something that needs to be cleansed, something that needs to to come out before everybody can can move on. But support groups have helped me, you know, hearing other people phrase things in terms of their feelings rather than saying, you're, why do you got to be such a piece of shit every time I see you? You know, instead of saying that, they'll say, you know, I I, I sometimes feel disrespected uh, by you, the tone of voice that you use. And, you know. In the support group? Yeah. People, so how do you. So I I saw it modeled for me. It's not like I came up with all of this stuff on my own. It's, I did everything wrong that you could possibly do until I discovered that. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, I don't know. I just felt good to tell you that about the therapy. I just don't want to ask. Yeah. I don't want to. I'm angry at you because I'm paying you so much money. Right. And and now I've just listened to your day for 15 minutes. And well, this fuck is them. If they're, if they're going on for 15 minutes, fuck them. They, they should know I, better. I just, that is a shitty therapist. That is a, that is a shitty therapist. I mean, it's a it, Minnesotan therapist. That's how it works. Well, they're not from Minnesota. It's, it's polite, they're lying. polite, 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 polite. Okay, should we schedule for next week? <laughs> <laughs> and then you don't get nothing done. So so. Yeah. This is a problem, right? This is a big problem. I loved. Yeah. I stayed in New York for like. I tried to live there for. I was there about three months, and I. I tried and uh, oh my god, I'm I just trying to picture it. you in New York. I loved it. It was yes. people tell you no, no, no facade. Just people just tell you what they're thinking. You're I love it. And I tried to bring some of that back here, and people do not appreciate it. They just don't like it. Would well, you remember some of the things that you said that you laid on your Minnesotans? Mm, just I I like to go in with a set of rules. Like this is what I need. If we can't do it, let's try to work work something out. What's the matter and with that? People don't like it. People think you're pushy. Really? Yeah. So, but I'm like, no, we got to have some rules. Yeah. I think it's something that a lot of people, uh, I think women especially, is they feel like I'm too much for the world. Mm. You know, my needs, my feelings, yeah. especially if you were raised in a in a house where, you know, it, to cry or be sad or be scared they would try to make you feel something different you know so to be yourself was was too too much i you know boys i don't know if that was as much probably the crying um yeah but um with 
girls, it, it seems like uh, a lot of girls that were... You're high maintenance. You're, right. Yeah, yeah. Yes. It's a lot of yes. labels. You're wrong for, for feeling intensely. Yeah, you're wrong. Oh, what's the matter? You can't carry a kid for nine months? What's the matter? Like, you know what I mean? Like... If this was a dude, I'm so I got so much anger about this. Like let it go, people baby. People who are people who are getting raped can't get take care of this. They shouldn't have to live this punishment mm -hmm. out for nine months. Yeah. And and it's not it's not a it's not like something want nobody wants this. It's just more rules being put on women, mm -hmm. right? It's like yeah. more oppression for women, and and it's it makes me so angry. It yeah. makes me, even if your condom breaks, whoops a daisy. You gotta carry this for my know? friend. My friend Mike Schmidt has a, a, a funny joke. He said, "If men could get pregnant, you would be able to get an abortion at a drive-through." Oh my gosh, for sure. And it, yes. and it also wouldn't hurt to give birth somehow. Right. You know. Right. <laughs> it, it's yeah. just I I am I'm carrying a lot of anger. I thought I was doing pretty well yeah. until I listened to one of your podcasts, and then I and, and I. And then I was like, oh, shit, I'm nervous again. I'm not doing so great. But right. it's good because you can't just not address it. It right. won't come back to haunt you. So, it, it will. So. I think especially if you can find a way to, to process it. So has, um, you know, air quotes, being nice been a struggle for you because there were feelings underneath there that weren't nice? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I no, I feel like I pretty much want to lead with love. Like that's pretty much what I try. Mm -hmm. But um, I also grew up in a family of alcoholics too, so that's like a big deal. That, that doesn't affect people, though. Okay, you're right. I'm I'm just being high maintenance yeah. again. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, that actually makes things more fun. So, but what I do, <laughs> alcohol I, brings yeah, yeah, people right. together, yeah, Mary. Right. right. As, I, as I'm yes. drinking my wine I brought from home. Yes. Um, yes. No. Uh, so a lot of alcoholism in the family? One, yeah. one person? No, multiple all people. the people. All the people. I, my, my, mom, my mom loves drinking, but she can stop drinking. And, my, and also me. My mom and me are the only ones out of, not just my six siblings, but, but my extended family, too. Mm -hmm. so. And then they hate themselves so bad, they kill themselves, or try to drink themselves to death, and that doesn't work out very well. It does, it's not, it's, it's just horrible when somebody tries, my brother did that, and they, what happens, you just lose a chunk of you, then you lose another chunk of you, mm -hmm. and that is like the worst. They, they, you can't drink yourself to death. And, and it's awful watching it happen and to, yeah. to truly know that you are powerless yeah. over that person's decision to drink themselves to death. It's, it's hard. It's like watching a, a dog stand in the middle of the road. You know? yeah. it's, yep, yep, it's, yep. it's awful. Yeah, it is. It's in every single one of them. Just is, but the then I got the one. The one that's hard is the binger that just does it once a week and then is ornery for the mm -hmm. for the other six days. So you can't say say anything because you're the worst. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like she's oh god, I'm so sorry that I'm bringing this. That's that's this is what the podcast is about. The shit that's that's yeah. hard to talk about. The shit that's hard to put into words. Um, yeah. Th this is yeah. a place where people were trained. Like the only memory I have of one of my grandmas is her spanking me because I 
gave her a hug and I sat on the table to give her a hug when I was five and that was the only memory and she she was the first born here from Norway and so like there's a lot of Scandinavians that just they just don't have it they just can't and and it doesn't surprise me that Sweden you know which is my grandpa hmm. also the uh, he was the Brock's traveling candy man in Duluth and and his son my uncle had to drive the Brock's can if you ever got ran off the road or your 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 grandparents did by a Brock's truck in Duluth that was my grandpa. He was a drinker. Yeah, and I started driving at 12, 10, 10, mm. to drive people. Because he was too drunk. Uh, everyone in my family. I, yeah. I had to, uh, I, I, I had to shift, a quick mm-hmm. shift. The fear, the fear that you have as a, as a 10, 11, 12 year old driving on the roads thinking, oh, my, tr- my bike is sort of like this. And, you're, and, the, and then a drunk is yelling out, Put, push your left foot down, okay. <laughs> and, and that's, you're going down the road like that. So, yeah, it was, that's, that's I will never look. I will never look at candy corn the same. But that was so, so <laughs> I never had to drive my grandpa in the city like that, but I drove my, my siblings and my, and my yeah. parents in the country like that so so as you recount this i mean you can hear the air go out of the room when you describe that yeah but it was your normal when you hear did you hear the reaction of the audience yeah, when you I said sure that did, yeah what yeah. <laughs> what yeah. what do you think and feel when you get that objective perspective on how fucked up that was well well maybe it's the wrong Maybe it's wrong, but I just assumed you guys got quiet because that happened to every one of you as well. <laughs> so I guess I'm just living in my, I've, in my mind, I'm thinking that they're happy for me, that they're like, finally, somebody's talking about it. We all lived it. But I didn't even think that they didn't have to do that. I just thought, see, I'm representing everyone. Right. Yeah, so they don't, yeah. yeah I mean, I've, I've interviewed, you know, 500, 600 people for the, for this podcast, and obviously everybody has some brand of awful in their childhood or adolescence or even adulthood, um, but each one has its own peculiar awfulness. And mm-hmm. what you just described is, like if I saw it in a movie, I would be like, oh, that's a little much. Yeah, it's a little much. <laughs> but in that, and there, there's, there, there were also violent, so it was like... Oh, Other than that, everything. it was a great childhood, though, Yeah, right? it was wonderful. <laughs> I mean, mm-hmm. I didn't know. Ta- so. Talk about, if you're comfortable talking about uh, the, the violence. Yeah, would, well, you know, I will say, it's just, it's still happening, is what, not, not in my family, but it's happening in the country, is what yeah. amazes me. The world. In that... Yeah. And I know it goes both ways, but but women don't. It's just sad that people aren't don't feel like they can get help or reach out or leave or. And and it it, it I mean I'm not I don't want to talk about it too much, but um, everybody for my parents they eventually worked their shit out, but mm-hmm. that's terrifying as a child. I can't imagine you're, you're like hiding from punches being thrown or you're hoping not to get in the way of it so it it was yeah I I guess that does come out later in anxiety form but um, I've I've been doing comedy long enough and 
to know that I'm not the only person that has that, so has been through that. And, right. and there might be women here today or men here today that are in an abusive relationship and aren't don't know how to get out of it what yeah. you know my girlfriend's a monster yeah yeah i met christina oh yeah i mean she looks nice look she at her seem very nice nice smile on her face yeah behind closed doors yeah take your fucking head off yeah. <laughs> but but i don't know i mean that i hope that the, we can keep getting the the messages out to mm-hmm. people somehow to get out of these situations because it's it's no good. I I feel like there is a movement of people being more conscious about how to handle their feelings and how to express them. It feels like the world or at least this country uh is becoming more emotionally literate. I think there's a portion of it that God bless them they're never going to get better. They're going to be blaming other people for their problems and their feelings the rest of their lives. They're going to die that way, and they're going to have another generation of kids that are going to be like that. But I feel like the average emotional intelligence uh, is creeping upward slowly. Yeah. Do you guys feel that way? Yeah. I feel like we really missed an opportunity with all this emergency funding that we had. I don't know why mental health wasn't in the emergency money. You know, it's just, it should have been right along with the testing and the vaccines. It should have been a part of it. And it was a huge missed opportunity and a necessary move, I think, to come out of out of what people just came out of. Right. And, and, and even some people would have used that as an excuse to start going. <laughs> even right. just a, a, an excuse to, to be like, well, yeah, might as well do it, might as well try it. So is there stigma in your immediate family about seeking help or counseling? So I remember what you asked before too now. So, so in my family, my, um, yeah, I did, cause my, okay, this is the craziest part. Like my mom, she just found out she has cancer, right? So like, I'm not taking any more shows because I, I want to help my mom, I want to be there. She lives a couple hours north. And then my sister somehow took this opportunity to weekly tell my mom what a horrible, horrible mom she has been. I'm like, who does that when your mom gets cancer? Really dig in, you know, like really let, yeah, it, it's in, it's crazy. She's like, oh, mom might die. I better tell her how horrible she is. And I've been so impressed. Like, I might not get this chance again, right? So, so like, I, I'm always so impressed that my mom raised six kids. Mm-hmm. And she grew up with alcoholics. Uh, she had her own family of alcohol. I, I can't believe she did it. She's amazing. She's It's just amazing. And, and so... I said to my sister, although I don't see my mom doing anything, she's just being an, a mom. Mm-hmm. I, I said, well, maybe you and mom could, I texted it to her. We haven't text, texted it or talked in over a year. And she, my sister wrote me a, a nasty letter, four page, which I, I couldn't read. I didn't want to know that about my sister. So she, she said, I said, hey, maybe you and mom could like go work it out. And, would you ever get a therapist or maybe we could all like go together and, mm-hmm. and get a moderator a counselor and talk she's like fuck no i'm not why why would i ever do that I'm like there's no 
there's no mm-hmm. level there's no equal and there's meeting no, no, area there's no right no desire for things yeah, to be better and yeah i i and i've been guilty of this too self-righteousness is fucking addictive mm-hmm. you know there is a high from but, feeling like i'm morally better than you but i feel horrible about knowing the tool so it brings us back to the right. the thing because i know what the right thing is to do is to get help I, I mean that's morally help for I am, yourself I'm, I am riding the high ground I have help and I'll go to, to the meetings because I suggested it to somebody else so I can't mm-hmm. not go right. obviously she hates me too so I might might be part of the problem mm-hmm. so if I go and talk fine I'll go and talk but at least I'm willing to go and talk she won't even give it a chance instead she makes my mom feel miserable mm-hmm. we weekly it's just and and you say well part of your tool is to separate yourself from people with those um, uh, toxic people toxic toxic people Um, and the problem is I've tried to separate myself but my mom calls me every day so why can't you just work it out why can't you just why can't we all just get along and I'm like well I, I, I did tell my mom I'd go to a counselor. Even my mom, 82, she'll go to a counselor. We're, we're ready. We'll go. But we're, now I think my mom is realizing if there's no rationalizing with somebody who's not ready to rationalize. Right. So if, is that the right word? I don't think. Reason? I don't yes. really know. But yeah. it does sound like I'm being a persnickety bitch. I don't think and, anybody and, and, thinks that you're being a persnickety but bitch. I'm assuming that's what my sister probably feels. You know? Yeah, and your sister sounds sick. Yeah. She sounds like she's sick and she's in pain and she's probably got some type of trauma that's playing itself out. Yeah. And the the real her, you know, the little girl that was born, the innocent little girl is in there. I know this sounds fucking cheesy, but that little girl is in there somewhere so afraid that if she's vulnerable, mm-hmm. something is going to happen and she's going to be destroyed or hurt. And so these are her tools today. Maybe she'll change. Maybe she'll hit bottom. Maybe she'll die that way. Who, who knows? But um, I think one of the hardest things as as we try to become healthier is to accept that other people are not there with us yep. moving forward with us especially when we love them yeah yeah i i think i think that's really like the amazing part of your show is that you can remember that about people is that uh yeah that behave that they don't have the tools or they the, the behavior is bad they don't have the tools but mm-hmm. and and this I gotta tell you this I tried to um, this is actually a bit that I was trying to work on but um, you know my therapist would recommend the Melody Beatty codependency no, bo- no, no more, more right. books and she's not actually a therapist either but um, I had in, I thought she was a therapist for a long time and she was doing really well because she was living in Malibu and and I had this dream I had this dream that Melody Beatty was my therapist in my dream but I'm like I could have dreamt I didn't even need help but instead <laughs> do you know what I'm saying I, I, I could have dreamt that but and 
instead I dreamt that I could afford the best therapist in the world and also probably put her through school to get her therapy license. You know what? I, like, this is the problem. I'm my own worst enemy. You're, You're selfish. Correct. You're selfish. Yeah. That's what, If I want anybody to take anything away from our chat tonight, I want it to be that you are selfish and my girlfriend's a monster. Yeah. Yes, yes. So let's talk about the 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 mean voice in your in your head. I'm always fascinated by the things that we tell ourselves about ourselves and what are some of the greatest hits that go around your brain about well, Mary Mack? I I what my body does and I think it's my body. I, I pick one thing and that becomes a fear, the greatest fear. Like uh, my trauma will all come out. Like I would be the lady who would go running, crying off the plane, and then take an Amtrak across. I did that for several years. So like it. What do you What do you What do you mean? Thing. Where you're like so terrified the plane's going to crash that you mm-hmm, then take mm-hmm, a train? Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh-huh. and I'd go. To, I did you know there's airplane therapy? There is, and I've done it. Makes sense. It helps. It, it yeah. does. But and Xanax helps quite a bit. Yes. <laughs> So, so um, th- what the current thing is, the current mean voice is, um, is all my anxiety and trauma and stress is coming out on ticket sales. <laughs> so, thank God you're here. Um, so, like, if I'm in a place that I'm not selling tickets, that's my, that's my new phobia. That's your self worth, right? I'm like, I gotta quit. I gotta quit before. Mm-hmm before there's nobody in the crowd. Like that's my new mean voice. Okay, well let's, as they say, pull the thread on this this thought. Okay, people stop showing up. Let's say that happens, then what? Oh, this is a good riddle. (laughs) (laughs) Well, then I get, I, I, I wish I could control what the next big fear will be, you know? I feel like I don't have control over that. Um, uh, what is the mean voice? Yeah, what, what the catastrophizing part of our brain. Uh, the the plane, worst, what's the worst case scenario? People stop gonna, buying tickets planes, to come first see. Of, first of all, the plane crashes mm-hmm. and then nobody shows up, <laughs> which actually works out for everybody. Yeah. <laughs> um, but th- there's like, th- what's the worst thing? Yes, so let's say you're, you're no longer able to support yourself as a comedian because people aren't coming out to see you. Nobody's booking you, okay? Let's say that happens. Then what is the worst thing that could happen? Oh, um, and the reason I ask these is sometimes yeah, for great. my own sanity yeah. when I'm in fear is I will just pull the thread on the worst possible outcomes. And by the end, I see that, oh, I thought that if I missed this flight, I would die alone. Mm-hmm. And I realize how fucking ridiculous yeah. it is. Yes. And then, well, after nobody buys ticket sales, the next thing is that everybody else I know dies. So this is a fear because I've lost everybody. But how and does that relate to you not selling uh, tickets? Um, I'm, I'm, I, I, I guess I, what I want to know is... These are my fears that I'm always like, oh, God, every time I pick up a call, I think mm-hmm. somebody's dead. Like, these are my you. fears, but these aren't... I'm not fami- quite that's familiar with my inner voice. I got Do you know you. what I mean? Like, right. I don't know what my own inside narrative is because right. I'm a busybody trying to help everybody right. else. So I, I guess yeah. what I'm asking is, what are you afraid is going to happen if you can't... Oh, okay, okay. If you can't sell tickets. 
Duh, I know I can get another job. I'll be fine. <laughs> Nothing. It's really very anticlimactic at right. the end. So? I, I can just work at the store. I can, okay. I can work at the smoked fish. I can smoke fish. They're always looking for ladies in there. And does that sound horrible to you? Should that ever happen? No. Thank you so much. <laughs> I do. I do. I love smoked fish. In my head, in my head, I'm like, holy shit, I'm getting a discount on smoked fish. Uh, you know what? That's what I want now. I, I'm actively pursuing resigning. I'm resigning. I need a cut. Yes. I think I get a cut. Yes, you can't. It's the best smoked fish in the world. Like, I have a much better life waiting for me. <laughs> after, after I quit comedy. This is the saddest part. I'm doing it to myself, Paul. <laughs> so what are, what are some of the other mean, mean things that you tell yourself about yourself? Oh, God, this is bad. Uh, oh, yeah. I tell myself, you're never going to look good on camera, so then you might as well recommend some younger people. That's why I say that every day. Yeah. Every day. So much so that I actively <laughs> will be like, I don't care if it's dark in here, just shoot. Do you know what I mean? Like, I, I actively sabotage the way I look <laughs> on camera because I'm like, let's just get it over with. <laughs> Um, that's a that's a thing because I have a side job where I do videos for a company where I'm like Jesus Christ there's some really good looking comics out there and like why don't they hire them that's every day I tell myself yeah. that because I have to like see myself on camera I'm like oh, mm -hmm. okay well let's say worst worst case scenario is you know what it what if you are unattractive what's the worst case scenario you gotta be funnier. <laughs> worst, <laughs> worst case scenario, I'm back in comedy again. <laughs> <laughs> I'm living the worst case scenario, Paul. <laughs> it's true, this is helping quite a bit. <laughs> I have to do this with myself because yeah. w when I wake up in the morning, it's like my catastrophizer is standing over me. It's been awake for two hours. Yeah. It's had yeah. breakfast. It's smoking a cigarette. Yes. It's blowing the smoke in my face saying, oh, we slept again too late, didn't we? Fucking loser. You yeah. blew it. Yeah. You're so lazy. Why have you pissed yeah. away yeah. all of these things that have been given to you? If mm -hmm. only, if yeah. only, if only. Yeah. And then it's like, who... I, you know, I'm, then I'm afraid to make a mistake with what I choose for breakfast. Yes, I know. Everything I do has so many consequences. Right. is what I feel like. Yeah. But I, I feel like I'm. I felt like I was making progress, trying to getting over it. Because in the only reason why is because my husband is the same way, and I get so sick of him <laughs> overthinking it. There's a silver lining. Yeah. Huh? Yeah. Then I'm like, it's not a big deal, Tim. Just pour the Cheerios. <laughs> and then I feel like a real tough guy. Yeah. But really, I'm thinking, oh, I don't know if those Cheerios are going to go down that good. <laughs> but just, just keep it up. <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Do you ever have any nice, positive <laughs> thoughts about yourself? And I know I'm going to need to give you a minute <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> for this one. 
Well, I, I'm good with dogs, and I think about that all the time. It's, it's true. <laughs> I love dogs, and, and it's my best thing I have. Like, I, I feel like, I don't know, I have two dogs. I'm off, I used to be on meds, believe it or not. <laughs> and, and I'm not even, and maybe I should be, but I'm, I got off meds because of my dog. I, I'm like, not everybody should have a dog. But for me, it really works out. Oh, but. I, I, I think the most common thing that people share on the surveys about things that help them or happy moments they have or things that they love are associated with their pet. Mm. And uh, yeah, I, can, I can't imagine my life without, yes. without dogs. You know, and I had dogs growing up, dogs and cats and chickens and ducks. You know what I'm, a, you know. You've heard the, the, the saying, I'm just trying to be the man my dog thinks I am. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh -huh. yeah. And I, um, I'm, I sometimes think, well, that was just because you're so used to it. You needed that missing link. Mm -hmm. But I had so many health problems. I, I, had a, I had a health problem where I'd go to the bathroom and just pass out. So I was like afraid to go on the road. And when I got my dog, not only did I get off my anxiety meds, but I um, also stopped passing out. And I asked the trainer about it because that was he was training mm -hmm. to go, you know, be a therapy dog. And then I was like, hey, I don't have time for this. Um, but the trainer said, dogs have sometimes can equalize you with mm -hmm. their pheromones and um, kind of like I don't know what it is, but I I I'm okay, I'm doing great. Yeah. I don't know if you could tell, <laughs> but um, you. Well, this is our first time meeting, so yeah. I'll have to, we'll have to uh, get together in a month, and yeah. I'll give you my final thoughts. Yes, good, yeah. Yes. So, so that's my good voice about me. Um, I'm also genuinely excited about most everything I encounter. Like, mm. I'm, like, I know I came out of depression when I was like, what else is on Nova? Like, or what other museum can I go to? Oh, you know, isn't that great? Yes, I'm like genuinely so excited to see things and mm -hmm. like, and I know what it's like to not have that excitement, and yeah. I just like, I I have great empathy for, because I've been in that place where. You can't feel yes. that feeling. I think that's one of the worst casualties of depression is the, lo the loss of passion. Yeah, it's, and curiosity and yeah. excitement, just about the most mundane things. And that's a beautiful thing about being in the Midwest, too. You're really missing out in Los Angeles. Um, because I've lived in Los Angeles. I feel like the bar, and this, I, I don't want to do the bit. I don't want to do a bit on your show, but mm -hmm. in LA and New York, like the bar for happiness is so high. But, but like, here, <laughs> my God, I, I, like in my bit, I will say if I go to the Dairy Queen and the guy making my cones knows somebody who knows somebody who I might know who I went to school with or whatever, I will like I'll shit my pants, <laughs> and and it takes so I'm like I, it's so much easier to be happy here. Yeah. Like the sun comes out. <laughs> my God, what a day! Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I, I used to have to work in LA and I would get nothing done because the sun came out every 
day. And I was like, how do people get anything done? We gotta get outside, come on. It might not come out tomorrow. So, so I got nothing done because the sun's always out. Yeah. It's a horrible way to live, Paul. <laughs> <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, Mary Mack. <laughs> thank you so much, everybody. Thank you so much. Thank, thank yes. you. And gonna, thank you guys oh. for all coming out. I really, really appreciate it. Thanks for your support of the podcast. Yay. Mary is going to be selling some CDs of her stand-up. Uh, where, where are you going to set I, up? I just put them at the bar. It's a self-serve. Oh. You pay what you want. CDs, it's obsolete. Okay. Get them out of the garage. I encourage one person to take them all and leave a dime. <laughs> just to see how that affects you. Thank you. <laughs> I, I won't even know. I love it. So Thank you so much, Thank Paul. you, Mary. Many, many thanks to uh, to Mary Mack and all the people that came out to uh, Sisyphus uh, Brewing. It's it's really nice to uh, to see listeners in person and just give, feel the energy of uh, of that vibe. And thanks to Amy too, who kicked off the show with uh, some fears and loves. What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have, or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So, what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Let's dive into some surveys. Is that jumping the gun? This is from the Voice in Your Head survey filled out by Hopeless Hero. And he writes, uh, I tell myself uh, that I am hopeless, uh, that I had no ambitions for the future. Oh, I, he's, he's speaking in the past, that I was hopeless, had no ambitions for the future. Did I only cared about numbing the pain day in and day out with video games, drugs, and porn. After my long-term girlfriend broke up with me, this voice began to change as I discovered self-compassion, my love for reading, and your podcast. I tell myself now that I was doing the best I could given the place I was at in my life. I tell myself that I'm a good listener, a thoughtful friend, a good father to my cat. I tell myself that I'm not the antisocial freak that I always told myself I was. I wish I could go back in time and tell my old self that healing and growth was possible and that it could all come from myself. That is awesome. That is fucking awesome. Uh, any, any comments to make the podcast better? I hear a lot of talk about support groups and want to join some, but I have a hard time knowing where to start. Um, that's a good question. I think that Googling stuff um, around the any issues that you're looking uh, to kind of tackle. Um, a therapist would be a good person to suggest uh, support groups. 
Uh, I know NAMI.org, N-A-M-I. It's the National Alliance on Mental Illness. Uh, they have a lot of support groups. There's a gazillion 12-step-based uh, support groups. If uh, there's an addiction present, um, there is a website called In the Rooms. Uh, it's either .com or .org, and uh, they have all kinds of uh, 12-step meetings there. Uh, and if 12 steps not your thing, uh, I'm sure you can find other stuff uh, Googling. Get out there and Google. That's what I'm telling you. Get your Google on. This is from the Voice in Your Head survey filled out by <laughs> Dufresne Party of Two. Oh, maybe the best Mitch Hedberg bit ever. Uh, she writes, I tell myself I'm weak. I tell myself that I'm too fat to be loved. I tell myself that I don't deserve my body because I have made it fat and sickening to look at. I'm a size 14 and my fat rolls hang out of every area they can slink away to. I tell myself that my husband abandoning me while I was recovering from spine surgery and cheating on me after 10 years together as he was caring for my post-op was my fault. I tell myself that no one wants a crippled 230-pound, 5'7 woman who was rejected by her first husband. I tell myself I am selfish for treating therapy clients while I go home every night wanting to drive off the road and into a tree. My brain tells me I reach out too often. Uh, I reach out to people too often, and I am too much for people to handle. This is not my first time filling out a survey, Paul. I have written in and my stories have been read and shared to offer hope to others, which is wonderful. And I am just exhausted having stories to tell. I want to be bored for a little while. I want to turn the volume down because the soundtrack of my life is screamo, metal, and polka blasted on one on top of another, and that's hell. I just want to catch my breath, and if I am lucky, feel peace for the first time in my life. Thank you for sharing that. Um, it's funny, uh, you know, I, I think a lot of times if we're struggling, we think, well, how can I be of help to somebody else if I'm struggling? And um, I think both things can be happening at the same time. I think we can be struggling and be helpful to somebody else and I personally believe that people who have been through hell uh, can be the most helpful people I've found that in my support groups do I talk about my support groups too much yeah and then maybe you need to fuck off yeah hit the door you heard me yeah don't let it hit me in the ass actually do let it hit in the ass somehow when you're leaving swing the door really hard into your ass I'll let it throw you right off my porch right onto the dry lawn that I have fucking watered in six months it, it my front lawn is a bonfire waiting to happen I don't know how we got off on that all right this is an awful moment filled out by Parky and she writes uh Hey, Paul, uh, it's Megan. Uh, this is Megan uh, Parkansky, who was a guest years and years ago. Uh, I love Megan. And she writes, I've been hoping to conjure an awfulsome moment from my life to submit for this survey since the survey's conception. Alas, alas life has brought me awfulsomeness. 
couple of weeks ago, I got a call from a number I didn't recognize, but the area code seemed really familiar. It wasn't from Wisconsin, where I'm from, or from the L.A. area, where I now live, so I just couldn't figure out why this looked so similar or familiar. Then I realized, could it be? Oh my God, could it be? I recently was dumped by a girl who I was and still am hopelessly in love with. I deleted her number from my contacts so I wouldn't be tempted to drunk dial her or reach out and say something pathetic or that I'd regret. I think this area code is hers. She's from Washington. I thought my fantasy was coming true. She missed me. Wanted to apologize for how much she hurt me. Maybe we could meet and talk or something. I googled the area code. Yes, oh my God, it was from Washington. Holy shit, holy shit, holy shit, my my fantasy is coming true. I decided to google the entire number to confirm for sure it was my ex, and I found out it was a collection agency based out of the Seattle area. I've owed almost two grand for a few years now because... I had a psychotic breakdown and was involuntarily admitted to an inpatient facility. So needless to say, I was a little disappointed. This number calls at least a few times a week, every week since. Every time I look at the phone and see that number with the Washington area code, there's still a fraction of a second where I think, oh my God, it's her. This is my fantasy. But I quickly snap out of it and realize, oh, that's right. I still owe thousands of dollars for being literally crazy. And I don't think I'll have two grand to spare any time in the near or far future to pay these fuckers and make these calls stop. This could go on for eternity. Thank you for that, Megan. If you've never heard uh, Megan's episode, actually, she's been on this podcast twice. I'm, I'm a big fan of both of her episodes. I think they're available. The only uh, episodes that aren't available are the first two years of the podcast. That'd be 2011 and 2012. I hold those back. And then when I take uh, time off every year, I rerun those as best of episodes. Occasionally, I'll run something from the third year because uh, it's buried so far in the archives, people uh, tend to, to not find it. Let me explain my whole <laughs> approach to the entire podcast uh, since its birth. Uh, you guys might want to sit down for this. This is from a shame and secret survey. This is uh, filled out by a guy who calls himself, insert witty survey name here. He identifies as asexual. He's in his 30s, was raised, uh, he says, in a totally chaotic environment. Uh, Ever been the victim of sexual abuse? Yes, uh, he says, and I never reported it. When I was a young child, my parents had absolutely no boundaries. My father would have pornography on and playing on the communal television in the living room frequently. My father also installed pornographic video games on the family computer that I frequently used uh, for schoolwork. My parents would talk openly about sex and their sex lives, including leaving pornographic magazines and sex toys sitting out openly in their bedroom. After, oh, this one makes me sick. After sex, my mother would walk around nude with a towel tucked between her legs. Also, my mother would often call me into the bathroom while she was going to the bathroom uh, and was nude. 
when I was about 10 or 11, I started stealing my father's pornographic magazines and masturbated in my closet, even though I had no idea what I was doing. I didn't know what sex was or even what I was supposed to feel, uh, what was supposed to feel good. At different points in time, I would go into my room and close the door in order to have some kind of boundary uh, with the rest of my family. My father would burst in and say something like, trying to jack off, eh? As an adult, I have never had a healthy relationship with sex and sexuality. I'm married and have a child, so I've obviously had sex, but it's always been a chore for me. Whenever I engage in sex, I feel like a drone doing the act, and my mind always envisions the pornographic sex of my father's videos, and I feel dirty. As my wife has gotten older, she's gotten a stronger sex drive, and she wants the, quote, porno sex to feel sexy, but it just makes me shut down to the point that I have absolutely no desire and would be totally okay never having sex again. I shared this with her, and it has become a large wedge in our marriage. That is that is a tough one because, you know, I think being... Asexual when we're when we're single, it you know that's that's our prerogative. Um, but it's more complicated when we're in a relationship with somebody. If they entered in the re- the relationships or the marriage with expectations that there was going to be sex, but we also don't want somebody having sex that feels uh, traumatizing to them or goes against who they are as a person. And uh, I think maybe maybe seeing uh, somebody that works in the area of uh, sexual trauma or couples counseling, that might be a, that might be a good thing to, to look into. And I'm not trying to say you shouldn't be asexual uh, because that's, uh, you know, that, that's up to the individual person. But I think a question, that you should ask yourself is, would I like to see if there is a possibility for healing to take place that could lead to me enjoying sex? I think that's the question. Uh, He's also been physically abused and emotionally abused. Uh, He writes, my father was never diagnosed, but was in retrospect a rabid alcoholic. He would often fly into a rage about things that I could not predict and start hitting me or yelling at me. The rage was always directed at me and never at my younger brother. At different points in time, I was beaten with a belt, furniture parts, pieces of wood, his fists, or other things that I cannot remember these days. I think my brain is blocking out so many of them, and so I can only remember now that an event occurred but cannot remember any of the specifics. My mother never defended me. She would stand by and let it happen. She would never get him to stop. As an adult, she would later say that she hated that it happened and wish he hadn't done it, but that doesn't change the fact that I was damaged by that asshole and her standing by silently was an implied consent to it. Any positive experiences with the abusers? Like most families, we had good memories like camping or fishing or going to baseball games. But I always have them colored with rage and hatred and regret that at home I knew my life would be completely different than the joy I was experiencing at that moment. 
darkest thoughts. For a while, I fantasized about being cruel to small animals like rabbits and squirrels. These days, I think that it was just my brain's way of finding someone smaller and more vulnerable than me to inflict pain on so that I was no longer at the bottom of the, quote, food chain. Darkest secrets. When I was about 12, I started, quote, sex playing with my little brother, who was about five years younger than me. It didn't go on for very long, perhaps a handful of times at most over the course of about six months or a year. It stopped when an icky feeling overcame me. When I think back on this now, I am so full of shame and guilt, and it has wrecked me like the telltale heart for all of these years. As an adult, I think back on it now and can realize that I had no idea what I was doing. I was just emulating what I saw going on in my household, but just the thought of it makes me disgusted with myself. Sexual fantasy is most powerful to you. My most powerful sexual fantasy is renting a group of hookers and just having my way with them for an entire evening. They would not be allowed to say no to anything and would be ready and willing to do anything and allow me to do anything uh, to me. Uh, Given my feelings about sex these days, I don't think this fantasy has anything to do with sex, but rather power and control. My ultimate fantasy is more, quote, romantic comedy, uh, unquote, of meeting someone nice who sees me and loves me without sex in the mix at all. Then as we become more in love and each other's minds, we eventually have sex as a natural extension of the love we share for each other. And you know, that's the second one. I, uh, the, the second one is, is really sweet and, and I think doable. Um, and if that's something that you want, I, I think it would, you are worth investing the time and the effort seeing if, some type of therapy modality or support group can help um, heal things. I don't know. Your your survey really uh, it really moved me. What if anything would you like to say to someone you haven't been able to? I'd like to yell all of my anger uh, at my mother and father so that they would know exactly how much all of this fucked me up and that I was not some bystander in their fucked up world. That, things like that, that anger, that has to, and this is my opinion, I'm not a therapist, but in my opinion, that rage is like a blanket laying on that part of our soul that wants to connect with another person, that that wants to feel safe with another person. It when I used to be so filled with, with rage, it was, um, I didn't even know where to begin to connect to a woman. <clears throat> Excuse me. I didn't even realize that I was afraid and that I was angry. And I think a lot of people don't realize that the wound is there until it's healed. And then you feel the opposite of what you've been feeling your entire life. Um, Trauma can become like water to the fish. We're so used to it. It's it's our normal that we just assume, well, I'm fucking different and I was born broken and things are never going to change.
<clears throat> what, if anything, do you wish for? I wish for peace. I wish to know a feeling where I can accept these things as part of my story and not have them consume so much of my life in terms of decision-making and worldview. Buddy, I think, uh, I think that is doable. How do you feel after writing these things down? Uh, I feel a lot of release in writing all of these down, especially some of the details and anecdotes that I've never shared before with a single living soul. At least now one other person in the world has heard it. In fact, while I don't have the courage to stand up and own my story personally by name, I think if it was right on the podcast, I would feel even more released by knowing that so many other people have heard it too. Sending you some love, buddy. Sending you some love, man. And I would uh, highly recommend reading uh, anything by Dr. Kenneth Adams, who... uh, wrote a book about incest, uh, particularly covert incest, called uh, Silently Seduced. Um, and then finally, this is a happy moment filled out by a guy who calls himself Cal, and he writes, I'm never happier than when I'm running. The first year of the pandemic, living alone, grieving for my mother, and heartbroken over a major breakup, I began running to alleviate boredom and stave off depression, as I knew it would completely envelop me if I let it. I was overweight and sedentary at the time, and I hated exercise. Now I'm in shape, have much better endurance, and it's one of my favorite things to do. When I'm out there on the nature trail running, I'm simultaneously in survival mode and completely at peace. I suffer from clinical depression, generalized and social anxiety, and OCD, and I feel like there's a constant hurricane of noise and bullshit inside my head. But when I'm way out there in nature, far away from the world, and I can focus on my task of putting one foot in front of the other, the noise vanishes, and I can finally just exist. I usually listen to podcasts like this one while I'm out there, but sometimes the mood strikes me and I put on energetic and uplifting music and mouth along with the words as I run. If the stars align and my mental state is just right, I can sometimes manage to feel a moment of genuine happiness and pride in how far I've come. I'm still on a long, painful road to mental wellness, but it feels exhilarating to have finally found something that lifts my physical and mental health this much. I was even featured in a national magazine in a story about self-improvement during COVID because of the running and weight loss. So I have a physical souvenir to remind me how strong and determined I can be. It came out just in time for me to show it to my dad before he passed so he'd know I was going to be all right. That's beautiful. Thank you for that, Cal. And... uh, Finding that, finding that thing that makes us come alive and shrinks the feeling of the problems. Uh, you know, I was about to say I'm jealous that you enjoy running uh, because I used to run and I never liked it, but I liked the benefits <laughs> of it. Uh, but I feel that way about hockey and I feel lucky to have something, a form of exercise that I love that never, that never feels like the gym or uh, work. Um, so thank you for reminding me of that and, uh, and for giving me an opportunity to once again make it all about me.
Because when you get right down to it, it's all about me. You like that voice? How's that voice? That's almost like a mean DJ voice. Where's he been? Uh, Paul's had me in the closets. I have not been rocking the Quad Cities. I've been uh, held captive, and I'm not a big fan of being in captivity. All right, Bachman Turner Overdrive, gonna kick things off. Be careful out there, supposed to get a little touch of rain. Gonna be slick. Hello. <laughs> I am an idiot. I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. Uh, I hope most of your podcast players gave out right before that last bit so that you <laughs> might still listen. But if you're out there and you're struggling, never, never, ever. I got a little loud. Never, never, ever forget that you are not alone. And thanks for listening. All right. Everybody I know is bizarrely beautiful. Everybody I know is bizarrely beautifully fucked up in some weird way. Bizarrely beautifully fucked up in some weird way.